When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Penn State football has a little more clarity on the offensive line coming out of the beginning of the week where there was a big win for the Nittany Lions. Penn State's offensive line coach Phil Tratwine has been on a roll getting commits from the class of 2022 all the way to 2024. But the ones that matter and the ones that we're going to focus on today are the ones that are coming into Penn State for next season. Hunter Norzad joined the program earlier this week. So with that, a more clear picture, we are updating our opinions about what Penn State could be in 2022. Dave Ecker joins me. We're going to do something new today. Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, T. Frank. I'm a little tired, but we're gonna we're gonna roll through it. I'm excited to talk about some offensive line stuff. Yeah, we're gonna talk we're gonna talk about the O line first, but we're gonna get to the reason you're tired at the end of the show, talking about basketball recap of last night's loss to Michigan. That's all coming up in just a little bit. But uh, I don't want to say we're going full Stephen A. Smith today, but you and I are gonna have a healthy debate, taking one side versus the other about whether Penn State is going to be better on the offensive line next season as the guest i gave you first choice this is basically overtime rules except instead of flipping a coin i just gave it to you so you are picking which side of our argument today i will try to insert the word blasphemous into every sentence that i said today. Uh, but uh, you I'm going, I'm going... are wrong <laughs> sorry i had to, i had to cut you off once in a bombastic way okay so go ahead. You are picking uh, which side. I'm going better, T. Frank. I know. Um, optimism around the Penn State offensive line. <laughs> How dare I? Uh, yes. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go better. Um, okay. Yeah, we'll see where it takes us. We'll see where it takes us. So let's just set the scene so you get an idea of what we're working with today. So Penn State offensive line returning two players from 2022 presumably in the starting role is what we're going to say right now with Caden Wallace and Juice Scruggs. Uh, there are five new additions this offseason, three that are freshmen in the class of 2022, Drew Shelton, Malik McNeil, and Vega Ioane. One Juco transfer or recruit, if you want to put it that way, in J.B. Nelson, and so far one transfer in Cornell's Hunter Norzad. So those are the five players adding to what Penn State already had on the roster with a couple other notable players, Landon Tangwall and Olufashanu getting starts or significant playing time at the very least in the bowl game. So that's what we're working with today. And uh, again, as the guest, I will allow you to go first. So please state your case as to why Penn State will be better on the offensive line in 2022. Here's the thing to you, Frank. Uh, I'll, I'll put this all out there right at the very beginning. The entire basis of my choice and the ensuing argument is going to be that I don't think they could possibly be worse. Um, you know, like I, I just, I just don't. You look, you look at what they're losing, and 
in my head, I, you know, R- Rashid Walker is a guy who has some NFL upside and who scouts like, but, you know, of, of the three starters that they're losing, was anybody really, really like a difference maker? Was there anybody who you say, you circle and say, they're really going to miss his contributions from last season? I don't think so. Um, so when you, you add a Hunter Norzad, when you add another year of developments for the, those two young guy uh, young guys that you mentioned, um, maybe JB Nelson, um, that JUCO that JUCO transfer can help you. Um, he's the top overall uh, JUCO recruit according to um, the on three rankings. So, you know, um, they're, they're bringing in some guys who might be able to make an impact soon. Um, so yeah, I, I just I have a hard time believing that they're going to repeat that level of just total dysfunction. Oh, Dave. Oh, 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 Dave. How I led the lamb to the slaughter here. You're going to have to bring it a little harder <laughs> if you want to debate with me. First off, let's talk about what you just said. Penn State's offensive line could not be worse. Check out Colorado from 2021. Watch their offensive line. It is one of the worst I've ever seen when I was doing some work on them uh, this year. So, that being said, it could get worse, but I don't think that's the case here. I think, Dave, that it's going to get it's going to be about the same. And here is the thing when it comes to Penn State's starting returning offensive lineman, Juice Scruggs. He is the second most veteran player, as you mentioned, uh, coming back as far as guys that are they're losing. Rasheed Walker, Mike Miranda, Eric Wilson. Uh, Juice Scruggs has, let me look this up so I get the exact number, 1,096 career snaps. 900 of those came last season. <laughs> Caden Wallace. Remember last year when we had this conversation about Caden Wallace of, yeah, he looked great in a small sample size in 2020 when they didn't throw the football and everyone was excited about his promise and his recruitment and everything and he plays right tackle. Uh, he has the most returning snaps on the offensive line with 1,286. So Penn State is not bringing back a lot of veteran experience on the offensive line, even with that. And their most veteran player last season gave up 35 pressures and five sacks, according to PFF. So there is no tackle depth at the moment in competition with Caden Wallace. That guy is going to slot in at right tackle. Juice Scruggs seems pretty clear is moving over to center. Outside of that, We've got two freshmen, left tackle, Olafashanu. He looked fine. He looked good. But I'm just going to go ahead and copy and paste my arguments about uh, Scruggs and Wallace from last year and say, you can look good in a small sample size. Landon Tangwall looked good in a small sample size as a true freshman. We don't know what he looks like against Ohio State. We just didn't see that. There's a reason we didn't see that. So what are you getting out of those two guys? And then the last thing I'll say, and this is something that I brought up in my article today, and uh, I'm just going to just go ahead and say it. You need to read this article so you can find the answers. You don't have to come Do to it. Sh- you don't have to come to a shill like Dave. I always point the wrong way. <laughs> Who doesn't know what he's talking about? BlueWhiteIllustrated.com, yeah. uh, potential lineups for next season. One of the things I point out is that Hunter Norzad comes in, and I've done some film study on him. I've talked about him on this channel saying he's a good prospect. Six foot four, 300 pounds. Lining up next to Juice Scruggs, six foot three, 307 pounds. One of Penn State's biggest problems last season was that from guard to guard, they lacked size, strength, and, and the ability to move people. So if those two 
even if you're a better, more tenacious, more physical run blocker, if you don't have the, the, the sand in your pants to do it, that's the biggest question coming into next season. It is not a guarantee. So that means you've got a freshman, and then those two, and then b before you get to Tengwall, who is probably the strongest, most physical guy in the projected lineup. You might get more of the same next year. You might not be worse, but you might not be any better. So that's why I think that it's going to be the same in 2022 as it was in 2021. Your I thoughts? just want to state... I want to state for the record that the same was not presented to me as an option before we started doing this. So <laughs> I'll I say it's, it's worse then. Uh, fine, fine. It's worse. Okay. I'll say that that equals worse. That equals worse because it's it's same plus time equals worse. The lack yeah, of progression right. makes it worse. Right. Right. Um, you know, I, I think some of the guys who you're talking about there, your Tangwalls, your Fashanus, right? I, I understand the small set, the small sample size skepticism. That's those are three hard words to say consecutively. Um, but I guess where I'm looking at it is you expect those guys based on their pedigree, based on what we thought about them before they came to Penn State, you expected them to be good. Maybe not immediately, but you expected them to be good football players. So based on that baseline, I guess I expect them to be pretty good football players next season. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it is, am I informed a little bit by what we saw this year? Yeah, but I, I, I have a hard time, I guess, just taking the pessimistic view of that because it's not like Landon Tengwall is some, you know, low three-star guy who Penn State took a chance on, you know, Landon Tengwall was one of the best offensive linemen in his cycle. So I think there will be improvement there. I think there will be improvement with Olufishanu, who is another guy who is highly touted at a high school. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about Hunter Norzad, but, you know, he was an, an FCS All-American. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, an FCS All-American, and I think... Uh, you know that's nothing to sneeze at, even if this this uh, this this step up is going to be a lot. And then, you know, JB Nelson again is a guy who who you know the the analysts are really high on. So, I think Penn State has some ability here. You know, it's just going to be be a matter of making it count. Um, and 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 look, I still think that Phil Troutwine is a good offensive line coach. I know that's I I, I he his his work. His, his work at Boston College was excellent. Um, he's kind of been dealt a difficult hand here. I think that with the right pieces, Phil Troutwine will get the job done. We're doing a terrible uh, job think, with this. I'm just going to cut you off just because I need to cut you off at some point and say you're wrong. Okay, continue. <laughs> Sorry, I was no, listening. I, I forgot. Was I forgot. I'm not supposed to actually done. listen to you. So go ahead. I was done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're just supposed to you're supposed to make really mean faces and then scream at, at, at random interjections. But so. So I'm going to drop the act for a second and just agree with you on, on what your last point was, uh, that generally I think that Phil Trotwine's gotten a bad rap so far from a tough situation and tough circumstances. But who are the guys that you're – as you look at it, who do you think are the guys that are going to contribute next season? And do you think it's going to be five guys? Do you think it's going to be six? How many players do you think Penn State can put on the field yeah. and, and maybe rotate at certain positions? I'm concerned about the depth. Uh, you, you know, I, that's – 
So yeah, you know, you're looking at the two returning starters. You're looking at Fashanu. You're looking at Tengwall. You're looking at uh, Norzad, and you're looking at Nelson. And then I think you need growth from a Jimmy Christ. Um, you know, Salim Warmly is another guy who I don't think we've talked about a lot. He was he was going to start. Um, he was going to start this season, and then he got injured. So if he can come back and 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 be a guy that Penn State can rely on, I think that's big, and that's that gives you eight. Am I counting right? I think that's eight. So you know. Would you like to have more? Yeah. Are you making some assumptions in 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 I guess making that group of eight? Yeah. Um, but I do don't think there's an outlandish scenario where Penn State has, you know, a decent core of guys to call upon when they need it. I think one of the things I want to highlight here is what we don't know, and not to beat the same drum, but what we don't know about Olafashanu, because in every single combination, every single iteration of offensive lines that I've put together, there is one left tackle right now. There is Olafashanu, and then you saw what Landon Tangwall did in some special circumstances in the flu game or in the snow uh, against Michigan State and Rutgers in, in those games. So that is a certain sample size, and I always go back to the sample size, but he looked good in those games. Penn State, when they had the opportunity to, played him on the inside. So Bryce Effner, mm-hmm. is he your other tackle option? Yeah. Fashanu is the guy, the way they talked about him last season. He was talked as the clear heir apparent to Rashid Walker. How does he handle speed rushers? How does he handle an Aiden Hutchinson type? Because newsflash, it's the Big Ten. You're going to face one of those guys in some form or fashion. Whoever the next guy to step up in the Big Ten is at Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan, whomever it is, whether Purdue has a Karloftis on their roster after he's moved on, I don't know. But there's going to be a a talented guy he's going to have to face, and there's a wild variety of ways that could go. Liked what I saw from him initially, but there's no way that I can really say he's athletic enough to hold up at the point of attack and... I just I think until you have that answer, until we see spring ball, it, you can't project him being better than Rasheed Walker, which is an area that Penn State needs to get better. That was an area where they were not up to the standard of what you expected from that position last season. So, again, it might be the same, but is the same good enough when you go into a season where you just went seven and six? So there's yeah. there's there's a lot of problems that could crop up and I feel like there's more questions than answers, even now that we have the players that are going to be playing. Uh, and then the next thing I would say is, does Caden Wallace get better? Does Caden Wallace have to... It's the same thing at right tackle. There are no obvious guys. You point Jimmy Chris. We haven't seen a lot from him in any sort of situation or circumstance outside of practice. So is there still depth in competition? Have they rebuilt competition at the tackle position? That's what makes think- players better. Do you, sorry, T. Frank. Do you think that and and Norzad can be a guy who provides them some flexibility to move things around if they want to? Because I know he played tackle almost exclusively um, at Cornell, and and I think Penn State kind of thinks he's a guard. But do you do you see that being a guy that they can move around and maybe you know I guess plug holes where they need holes plugged? I, I think Tengwall's that guy, not Norzad. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and before we go any further. Uh, you vote in the comments who had the better argument. Was it Dave or was it me, T. Frank? So leave a comment to who you think won the argument because I've exhausted all of my ability to argue and I don't like being negative anyway. So 
Uh, I want to be done. <laughs> it's my show. We're done. Uh, but to answer your question, I think I think Tangwall is that guy more so than Norzad. Norzad talked to Ryan Snyder earlier this week. Another reason to go check out Blue White Illustrated. Sign up for just a dollar. Get 12 months of access to exclusive on three content at Blue White Illustrated. 12 months for a dollar. Sign up. Get all that information and hear what Hunter Norzad had to say to Ryan. But what one of the things he mentioned was that he's coming here because he was playing out of position at Cornell. At the next mm. level, he projects as a guard or a center. He did bring up center. And I don't think we're considering that part enough. I think he would be a good project at center uh, or good, a good positional fit at center as well. So he provides flexibility on the interior. But to me, it's Tangwall that can play all five positions. He would be the guy that would have to challenge somebody at one of those two tackle positions to give Penn State the flexibility to then make a change at what is kind of the guys that are inked in at their positions right now with not a ton of challenge behind them. It's one of the things we talked about in my article over at Blue White Illustrated, so you can check that out as well. But, yeah, I think Tangwall's the guy. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, I, I, I was just looking at the bio, and I thought it was interesting that Penn State has a completely different projection from him than, than where he was playing at Cornell. Um, yeah, but and yeah, that, that seems logical. I, I still think that, uh, and not to not to beat on this a, enough, but Norzad to Iowa, and what that kind you know just the the puzzle pieces and watching him play, I do think center is a possibility. Um, but he's coming to Penn State. Let me just be painfully clear: everything that we've heard, everything that we've talked about, and everything that the initial responses have all been, he's a guard, so he's gonna he's gonna be in that competition. And it makes sense, again, going back to our conversation about veterans playing at certain positions. Juice Scruggs is one of the most veteran players on the team. He's going to be the first option to handle the center position. And he he wasn't terrible there last season when he was put there in a pinch. You know, in the middle of a game, he switched over to play center. So with a year of practice, he has the opportunity to take a step forward there. Um, so, yeah, make sure you comment in the uh, in the video about who you think won our argument. And we'll do better next time. I think we need sound effects, Dave. Really think we need like yeah. intense sound effects and some maybe some angry bed music. <laughs> uh, I am I am expecting Penn State fans to have just excessive amounts of positivity as it relates to their <laughs> thoughts on the offensive line. So especially, I'm sure I'm going to win here. Especially in the comments. That's exactly where yes. you find the positivity. Yes. Uh, shout out to all of our commenters on our YouTube videos. Uh, thank you for being a part of the show. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So let's talk about basketball. Last night, Penn State was in another surprisingly close game. I know something you said earlier today is like, how can they find more ways to lose excruciatingly close games? So take us through what happened last night when Penn State lost to Michigan at home. 9 p.m. tip, Dave. Gross. Just abysmal. Um, yeah, so Penn State started well. Um, they were making shots. They were getting really good looks. I think they were up 33. To 30, I think it was 34 to 23 with about four minutes left. Um, in the first half, 
And then they didn't score for 10 minutes. <laughs> so uh, Michigan, by that time, by the end of that stretch, I think was up four. Penn State kind of got its offense going, kind of didn't, um, and ended up losing a, a tough one. Um, and one that I tend to think they probably had to have if we're going to keep up the discussion of, okay, there might be a postseason berth, whether it's, you know, the NIT, probably the NIT, um, in this season for this team. Um, now I think some extraordinary things are going to have to happen for that to be realistic. But, yeah, um, having a hard time scoring. Same thing happened against Wisconsin. They scored three points in 12 minutes. So they're, they're, they're having some challenges. Uh when it comes to these collapses, and, and there was a mini collapse against Iowa uh, that let them back into the game that forced double overtime, and, and you just mentioned one here against Michigan, is it just the offense or is it something more? Is there a more out-of-sync sort of situation where, the, where, they're ha- where they're struggling to get offense and defense and the whole thing to work together, or is it simply just they go down, they clang too many off the basket, and then the other team scores? I think against Michigan specifically, Penn State has a depth problem. And, and, and one thing that we should probably touch on is Greg Lee's injured again. Um, and, you know, he's kind of one of their very important secondary scorers, and he had a boot on. So we don't know what that means for his future. But Penn State, and Michael Shrewsbury actually said, um, kind of around that four minute mark in the first half where they stopped scoring and Michigan made a run they were exhausted. Like all of their starters, all of their key players were tired and asking to come out of the game. And, you know, Shrewsbury went with an alternative lineup with some, including some players who probably are not at big 10 standard. Um, And, you know, Michigan made a run. Uh, So, you know, I think there's a little bit of that when John Hera goes to the bench Penn State's offense has a really difficult time just executing because Penn why, State's why offense is that? Is, what what yeah. is it about his presence that allows them to execute? Penn State's offense is very pick and roll heavy. Mm-hmm. If you watch their um, just their action, you'll see almost every possession begins with a John Harris screen at the top of the key, and and they base almost everything off of that and. John Hera is a rock. He's a brick wall. That screen is not as good when John Hera isn't in the game. Right. And, you know, he's an orchestrator, too. John Hera is a very good passer. He makes smart decisions. Mm -hmm. Even if he's not the guy who's scoring the ball, which a lot of times he isn't, I think he's just a really important fixture and decision maker for them on offense. And when he's not there, I think they suffer. So, and, you know, he's a big man. You know, big big men can't play 40 minutes. You know, John Hara plays like, you know, in, in the 20s somewhere. So Penn State has to deal with extended periods of, you know, maybe their 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 pin on offense off the floor every mm-hmm. game. And 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 look, they have problems sometimes with him on the floor, definitely. Yeah. But I think in this in this game specifically, the struggle started when they didn't have their guys out there. So, so what do they lose when he's not on the floor and you don't have Greg Lee to go to? So, what do they lose with Lee not there, and then with both yeah. of them not there? What's the vacuum? There's a huge vacuum because you know a lot of times they'll play them both at the same time, um, and you know I, that 
with both of them on the floor, I think Penn State is a team that out-rebounds its opponent. And with one of them on the floor, Penn State gets out-rebounded. <laughs> and, and we saw that last night. Um, Hunter Dickinson, one of the best centers in the country. I think he's like seven foot one, seven foot two, um, just like vacuuming in offensive rebounds. I think Michigan had like 19 second chance points. Um, so without the ability to have that added size on the floor, eh, Penn State has a problem. And, and look, Jelani White um, is a guy they got from Canisius. He's, uh, you know, he was he didn't play a ton there last season. Um, I think they've been pleasantly surprised with what they've gotten out of him, but he's not, you know, th- th- this is, I think is might, might be a step too far for Jelani White. So asking him to come in and, and be Greg Lee is not realistic. Right. Um, we saw Giovanni Scott, another transfer kind of come in and, and he was energetic, but I think made some bad decisions kind of went too fast. So they, they really just don't have another option there. Um, that gives them the same thing. I mean, to underscore your point, 19 second chance points for Michigan, a big swing in the game. Now, Penn State did get 26 points in the paint, thanks to Sam Sessoms and some of the things you've talked about. But those second chance points, Penn State was getting a lot of those with Lee and with Hera on on the on the court together. So that void is going to be something they got to work through for the rest or for a significant period of time. It seems, as you mentioned, Greg Lee showing a picture of himself in a walking boot uh, earlier this week. So. What's coming up next for Penn State basketball? Yeah, they've got Minnesota this weekend. Um, they're on the road. That's a difficult place to play, but I think that's a beatable team. So, you know, it feels like, again, I thought this one was one that they had to have. They, they really need this game. They need to get a win on the road. Um, they need to find a way. And it's not going to be easy without without uh, without Greg Lee. And, and, you know, they were already a team that didn't have the same kind of depth as, you know, the teams that they're playing not week in and week out. And, and, and now they have less depth and you're later on the season and, and guys are tired. It's just, it's, it's, it's going to be tough. It, yeah. You know, you're, you're asking a lot of them at this point. How so do we'll they avoid, they how do they avoid that end of the season slide then? Cause that's kind of what it sounds like you're setting up for is they're tired. They're losing players. They don't have depth anyway. How do they avoid that in this situation? They start making shots because <laughs> uh, look, I mean, T Frank, they're hold they're holding teams full of future NBA players. So like, you know, it's a, it's a 50, 58 points yeah. and, and they're, they're defending, you know, so well. And it's just, that's, I think what's, what's frustrating for Penn state fans, because look, if you lose 75 to 55, like, okay. You know, you knew that you lost that game by halftime. Yeah. But, you know, they're in these games because they're so stout defensively and they just need to make shots to, to complement that. Because I think if there is one thing, one area of their game where maybe you start to see fatigue set in and, and you start to see it taper off a little bit, it might be that defense, right? How long can they conceivably, without their depth, um, playing every three days, keep these these teams loaded with weapons under 60 points yeah i don't yeah. know playing so with that they, energy and that effort out. on every play takes it out of you yeah 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 it's tough so they've, they've, they've got to score they got they got to score points well dave this is fun thanks for coming on giving us the information uh about the offensive line 
about the uh, – I still think John Herrick could play on the offensive line, so we're even talking about the offensive line <laughs> there with Ben State basketball. Thanks for coming on the show today. You got it, T. Frank. Thanks for having me.